Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hey, everyone. Welcome back into the BT Powerhouse podcast. My name is Thomas Bendit. I'm the host of the podcast and manager of BT Powerhouse Happy to join you guys again. It's been a week or two, so happy to get back into action here um, with the start of Big Ten play. Seems like a good time to get the podcast rolling again. It is uh, Thursday night, January 4th. Today's Big Ten action just wrapped up probably 15 to 20 minutes ago or so with Michigan State playing Maryland at home. The game earlier in the day for the Big Ten was Ohio State at Iowa, Buckeyes come out on top, and the Spartans come out on top in the second game in very, very convincing fashion. I think the final score was a 30-point win for Michigan State, so have to be impressed with what the Spartans did tonight, as well as Ohio State getting a nice road win um, in Big Ten play. I believe it's their uh, first, first road game of the year excuse me, road win of the year, excuse, no, no, sorry, they they won at Wisconsin to start December uh, as well, so Buckeyes improved to 3-0 and in conference play, great start for a team that didn't necessarily have extremely high preseason expectations, but with that, I did want to uh, dive in to some of tonight's exciting topics, and really what I wanted to do is sort of use this as a check-in on Big Ten play. Uh, Would have obviously been better to do this before conference play started, but um, I I just want to jump through the teams real quick here. And um, Josh Stern of BT Powerhouse is supposed to be joining us here shortly to to chat about some of these teams. Um, Obviously going to spend a little bit more time on some of the higher end teams than the lower end teams, but I'm going to start with, uh, the bottom of the league. So for those who really want to hear about the top teams, you're going to have to wait a minute or two. So forgive me, but I want to talk about these teams in sort of what I view as the tiers of the conference. And I will note, I think this is a down year for the big 10. I know I've written about it a couple of times on the site, talked about it at length. And I think for anyone who has just generally followed the conference, it's pretty obvious that, the league just isn't as strong as it was in years past. But so when I, when I go through these tiers, I'll talk a little bit about how I see these teams performing potential postseason implications, so on and so forth. So I want to start with our bottom tier here. This is the, the bottom quadrant of the big 10, in my opinion. And I, I think the four teams there are Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, and Rutgers. Uh, all four teams have struggled so far And one of the interesting factoids for those who have followed is none of them through a good hunk of Big Ten play now have beaten anyone except themselves. So Iowa is 0-4 in Big Ten play. First time they are 0-4 to start league play since 2010, uh, excuse me, the 2010-11 season. So 
obviously, you know, we're talking about seven years ago here. So uh, very down year for Iowa. Rutgers is 0-3, Illinois is 0-3, and then Indiana is 1-2 with their lone league win coming against Iowa. So all four of these teams, I, I think, are going to miss the postseason. I don't even think they're going to be in serious and NIT contention, certainly not NCAA contention, barring a Big Ten tournament run. But it looks like Josh made it on. Uh, Josh, how's it going tonight? It's all right, Thomas. Um, here maintaining whatever is left of, of the Big Ten wreckage in early January. <laughs> there aren't many teams that we'll be talking about, I think, in, in early and mid-March, but I'm happy to be here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I So what I what I was started doing is, you know, I, I wanted to sort of use this as a check-in. You know, obviously it would have been better if we did this before Big Ten play restarted, but, you know, whatever, schedules. Uh, so I, I, what I'm doing is just going through sort of how I view the Big Ten and my tiers, uh, potential postseason implications, so on and so forth. And I started with uh, the bottom. Uh, the four teams who I see at the bottom of the league are Illinois, Iowa, Indiana, and Rutgers. Um, all of them are one and two or worse in league play. The only win uh, in Big Ten play of the four teams is Indiana beating Iowa, which is another one in this group. Um, any thoughts on these four teams or just sort of, yeah, they're probably not going to make the postseason. <laughs> yeah, no, I think, I think you're totally right. Um, I got a chance to watch Iowa play against Michigan um, on Tuesday and man, Tyler Cook is really, really good, but the rest of that Iowa team is not close. Maybe Jordan <laughs> Bohannon, um, you know, I, I feel like in a couple of years, Fran McCaffrey's squad is going to be really good, but they're not there. Um, and Indiana, I mean, Indiana's had such a weird year to me. Obviously, they lost to Indiana State, and uh, I think it was Fort Wayne, um, and then they beat yep. Notre Dame. But, you know, what, what can you make of this Indiana team? I, I think I totally agree that, that they're in that bottom tier, but I think with the shooters and the playmakers they have, um, I know they lost a tough one in Madison um, also on Tuesday, but I, I mean, I get the sense that they'll probably have one or two wins is, at least against the teams that we probably put in our second and third tier, um, just solely based on their guard play. Um, and the fact that they, on a good night, they can shoot the heck out of the ball, but I, yeah, I'm with you. I don't see them making the postseason. Yeah, I mean, I, that's how I see all four of these teams. Uh, before we move on, I'll just throw out one positive note about all four. I agree on Iowa. Tyler Cook is a star. Just need a couple guys to come on around him. Um, Rutgers, it's a long-term rebuild. I, I think fans need to keep that in mind. There are going to be some growing pains. We've seen those lately, and, and you hope it just keeps moving forward. Uh, Illinois, Brad Underwood is going to get them there. He just doesn't have the personnel this year. And, and Indiana – you know, Juwan Morgan is an excellent, excellent player, but um, just not enough, not enough around him. Um, and Archie Miller, if he's going to reach the height, it's going to be through recruiting, uh, not through his current roster. So, uh, so yeah, that's how I see the bottom tier. Uh, moving above that, the the teams that I see in sort of the next category are uh, Wisconsin, Penn State, Northwestern, um, and Nebraska. Um, any thoughts on these four teams? Uh, do you agree with the categorize, uh, my categorization of these four, um, or would you change anything? 
No, I agree. Um, we'll start with Wisconsin, the first team you mentioned. Uh, they've been completely ravaged by injuries. Their bench is guys that they didn't really expect to play and walk-ons right now. Um, I mean, you know, okay win against Indiana, but against the top tier of the Big Ten, they don't really have much. Um, Northwestern's a really interesting one that you mentioned in this category because they were definitely top 25 to start the year. They had a huge amount of lofty expectations. Um, they had Aaron Falzone coming back. Um, they had a couple really nice pieces. And they've kind of just floundered. I really haven't seen much out of Northwestern this year to give me uh, much hope. They had a really bad loss by 15 points at home to Nebraska, which is pretty embarrassing since Nebraska has not exactly been a world beater in the Big Ten. Um, Nebraska's interesting because they're 2-1 and one right now. Um, I think they'll give Tim Miles an extension. I think you and I have probably had this conversation for the last two or three years being like, Nebraska's one year away, Nebraska's one year away, and now they have the facilities and they have the athletes and they still aren't able to do it consistently. Um, I'm really curious whether the new arena will um, maybe be the turning point eventually that gets Nebraska to um, the heights that they should be realistically able to get to, especially in a weekend Big Ten. Um, and the last team you mentioned, Penn State, um, I mean, they have, they have the guys, but again, just bad losses. Um, you know, I think they, the Wisconsin beat them, or if, even if Wisconsin didn't beat them, it was a close game in uh, State College. Um, but you think, you know, Shep Garner, uh, Tony Carr, um, even their big man, Dickerson, I think, who I, who I really like, um, you, you think that Penn State has the players, and, and eventually, you know, the, what is, when is going to be their year two? Um, I really like I really like what they have. It just seems like they haven't gelled. And, and 11-5 and five is not to say that they've had a terrible year, but 1-2 and two to start league play, I mean, I don't see them making a, a tournament run either. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll, I'll start with, uh, you know, just for these four teams, I think any of these four teams can have a shot at the NIT. I think all of them will have a – they have their work cut out uh, to make it, especially in a down year for the Big Ten. But I think these are teams that they will have a shot at the NIT. Um, starting with Wisconsin, I mean, I, I think the story is pretty simple here. You know, coming in, we all knew they were losing, like, everything except half. Um, they needed things to break the right way. Uh, and they, they just haven't broke the right way for the Badgers. Um, you add on some injuries on top of that, and suddenly you're 9-7, and seven, and you really haven't recorded any significant wins so far. But – you know, if you're a Wisconsin fan and you're you know, hoping for some sort of turnaround, I think what you need to hope for is, is one of these young guys to emerge. You know, maybe it's Davison or, or somebody like that. But uh, again, with the injury shortened roster or excuse me, injury plagued roster, it's going to be tough to see that happening. Um, you know, maybe Rugers can can develop. But I, I think, honestly, this is a year where you just build as much as you can you hit the recruiting trail and you hope for next year, but um, we'll see. There's still time, but I, I think Wisconsin has a, has a big challenge to, to get in position. Um, moving on to the other team, obviously out of these four, I think the biggest disappointment is Northwestern. You mentioned they were a preseason top 25 team coming off a really nice season. Um, I, I don't want to go into a huge deep dive here on Northwestern and what has gone wrong um, and, and why, but I, my my big points here are um, they have not 
at all address the loss of Sanjay Lumpkin. And I know he was not an outstanding player statistically, but he was really the glue of that lineup on defense. He set nice screens. He was, he was the glue guy, um, <laughs> the definition of one. And I don't think they've replaced him. I, I think a couple of the guys have obviously underwhelmed. And I think the other thing that a lot of people forget, you know, because last year ended so magically, um, Northwestern struggled a lot against quality teams last year. Uh, they relied on a good handful of close wins. Um, and, and really, I, I think some of that, you know, they're sort of falling back to earth and then you add in those issues. And I, I think you get what they've gotten so far this year, but yeah, I mean, we'll see Bryant McIntosh missed the, the last game. We'll see if he, if, and, or when he comes back, but uh, they play Penn State on Friday, which I think is sort of a do-or-die game. Uh, I know it's early, but that's that's kind of how I feel for the the Wildcats here. Um, the other two teams, um, starting with uh, Penn State, I I mean, I hate to be sound like a broken record or or a jerk here, but I just I don't think Pat Chambers has at all done anything with this roster um it it seems like it's pretty much the same team as last year um I know their advanced numbers are much better but I just don't buy this team being all that much better uh than they were last year I mean their best win by far this year is a road win at Iowa who is you know we just talked about one of the most underwhelming teams in the Big Ten they're 0-4 they've already lost three home games in Big Ten play uh, referring to the Hawkeyes, of course, and Penn State, I, you know, maybe maybe they can find a way to sort of navigate um, through some of these, uh, uh, you know, an easier portion of the schedule. You know, they get Northwestern at home, Indiana on the road, Nebraska, teams like that. But um, I just don't buy it. I mean, I I don't know. I hate to be the <laughs> the, the pessimist here, but um, you know, Pat Chambers has, has done this time and time again. He has talent. Uh, he's never had this much talent, but he just he doesn't maximize it. And and frankly, if they don't make a run here towards the end of the season, I'm not sure how Penn State can sit back and, and really believe that Pat Chambers can get the job done. But we'll see. There's still time. You know, as I said, the advanced numbers like them, but I am not a believer uh, in Penn State at all at this point. It, um, Thomas, the, the one thing about Penn State I will say that, that you didn't mention just because I have the schedule in front of me, um, mm-hmm. They have a one-point loss at home to Ryder, yeah. which is really bad. They have a one-point loss at home to Wisconsin, which is really bad. Um, and they didn't really do anything in the non-conference. Um, they scheduled a couple okay Power 5 teams. They lost to Texas A&M. Pittsburgh is awful. They beat Pittsburgh by 30, but no, wouldn't quite call that a great non-conference victory. Um, so Penn State, is, I mean, they're 1-2 right now. You'd argue they have to go, I'd say eleven and seven. So that would mean uh, ten and five down the stretch, and then pick up a win or two in in the conference tournament, just because their non-conference was so awful and they didn't pick up any marquee victories. Well, I, I totally agree, and I, I think that's a, a great point to bring those up. Um, I'll, I'll just put it this way: to me, uh, you know, just from a hundred foot view here, Ken Palm has Penn State at forty third nationally. As I said. I don't really buy into that ranking. I, I think they're overrated by Ken Palm right now, but even if you believe in that rating, let's say, you know, Hey, you're a believer. You think he's got it right. 
he has them projected at 19 and 12 overall, nine and nine in Big Ten play. Now, obviously, they get one more guaranteed game in the Big Ten tournament, but realistically, you're probably looking at 19 or 20 wins. Um, I don't think that's going to be enough, you know, with a loss to Ryder at home, with a loss to Wisconsin at home, and a really down Big Ten. I mean, as you mentioned, as as far as their uh, resume so far, I know it's early. I know it's still flawed, but they're 129th in RPI right now. Um, that is not <laughs> even not gonna get it done. close. That's, yeah, that's not going to get it done. Um, you know, for those who are, uh, you know, really believers in Penn State, again, Illinois and Wisconsin are substantially ahead of Penn State right now in RPI. So I, I just they're not in position at all to make the to make the field right now. But we'll see. Still time. Um, and then the the last team in this grouping uh, was Nebraska. Um, I'm a little bit higher on Nebraska. This is a team I could see trending up. Uh, right now, I have them here just because they, they've sort of caught some teams in, in fortunate situations. But if you look at how they've played um, since they lost to UCF, uh, a not terrible UCF uh, on Thanksgiving, their only losses are at Michigan State, uh, at Creighton, and then home against Kansas in a really tight game. Uh, they've beaten Northwestern, they beat Minnesota, and they've beaten uh, Boston College. So, I mean, really, they've played like an NCAA-quality team since Thanksgiving. Um, unfortunately, they did lose to UCF. They did lose to St. John's. And, you know, as we keep talking about, the Big Ten's down this year, so uh, the, the wins in Big Ten play aren't going to quite count as much. But I, I think Nebraska is, is trending up. We'll see what they can do here down the stretch as the schedule gets a little bit tougher. Um, They get Purdue on Saturday, which is going to be very tough, but uh, we'll see. You know, they have a lot of these toss-up games, you know, a 49%, 41%, 65%, those types of games where you could see it going either way. Uh, So it's really going to depend if they can take care of business in those games or if they, if they fall short. So uh, the next tier for me of, of teams is really just one team, um, and they would not have been here before, but uh, it's Maryland for me at this point. I think the Terps uh, were looking like a potential sleeper, top 25, top 30-ish team, um, but then they lost Justin Jackson and uh, Bender. And, I mean, I know it's Michigan State on the road, but they they have not looked good without those two. I mean, they struggled against Penn State earlier this week, um, really had to battle to get a win at home against the Nittany Lions, and then they just got demolished earlier tonight by Michigan State. They lost by 30 on the road, which uh, is obviously pretty massive, even against a well, the number one ranked team in the country. But I, I think the Terps are, are sort of trending down, and I, I think they're going to face a very tricky portion of the schedule coming up here. They get Iowa at home back-to-back road games against Ohio State and Michigan, and then Minnesota at home. I think this is going to tell whether they're going to survive that injury or not, or those injuries or not. Um, Josh, any thoughts on the Terps here? Yeah, um, I think you pretty much hit it. Um, The one thing I will say is they're not 30 points worse than Michigan State. I think they had a really emotional win on Tuesday where they had all of their guys go – you know, 100% and then have a turnaround 48 hours later. 
Um, especially mm-hmm. for a team that now has no depth. Uh, I think it's kind of unfair to totally hate on Maryland after that, but you're completely <laughs> right in that Jackson and Bender with those two guys. I mean, you're looking at a, a decent big 10 team, third, fourth, fifth in the big 10, um, a decent seed, depending on what games they won and what games they lost. But I mean, I think best case, best, best case for this Terps team is going into the conference tournament, needing one win. And you're looking at a 10, 11 seed, maybe a team that, that goes to, Dayton, but I, I, I don't mm-hmm. see the ceiling any higher than that for this team. Yeah, I mean, and it's unfortunate, but it, it's really just the injuries. I liked this team a lot uh, before, but, you know, it's it happens sometimes. Um, so the, the next tier, this would be the second highest tier for me, and these are the teams that I, I think have very, very serious NCAA hopes. I think they are certainly not locks, but I think they have solid hopes. That's Michigan, Minnesota, and Ohio State. I think all the teams, very, very similar records, pretty similar uh, advanced stats, profiles. Um, I I think Michigan is probably trending up the most over the last couple of weeks. Minnesota's looked hit or miss, but I I like all three of these teams. Um, I don't think any of them are going to get in as a, you know, a three seed or anything like that, but I could see all three of these teams making the tournament, and I honestly think it's going to come down to you know, what do you do against teams like Indiana? What do you do against teams like Northwestern? Um, this is a year where, you know, the road games against the bottom of the Big Ten are, are crucial because of, uh, you know, you lose to those teams. In years past, it wouldn't be that bad of a hit, but now it's like an RPI bomb. Uh, but I, I think all, I like all these teams. Uh, any thoughts on these three? Yeah, um, we'll get into Michigan in a little bit. I have a, a couple questions for you. Um, but with Ohio State, I think it's really interesting. You have a team that really there were no expectations coming into the season. Um, you know, mm-hmm. the Buckeyes scrambled at the last minute to steal Michigan walk-on Andrew Dockich, um, who actually had a nice game tonight. He had six assists, so he's contributing in meaningful Big Ten games. I would never have thought I would have said that statement, but here we are <laughs> in 2018 making those comments. Um Their only losses are to Gonzaga, Butler, Clemson, and UNC that are four NCAA tournament teams. Um, They have a win against Stanford. They beat Michigan. Um, They have a really favorable schedule, too. Um, They play Michigan State at home on Sunday, which will be, I think, a great test. And then they get Maryland at home also. Um, But they have a stretch in here where they have five home games in a row. I don't quite know how the schedule worked out that way, but they play Minnesota, Nebraska, Penn State, Indiana, and Illinois at home um, Hmm. in a two-week stretch, and that could be their season. You know, if they go four and Mm -hmm. one in that stretch, which they probably should at least, um, I'd pretty much chalk them up. I mean, I see 12 wins just based on beating the teams that you should beat for this this Ohio State team, they only play Purdue and Michigan State once. They have Michigan State at home. They go on the road to Purdue. Um, but, you know, I, I, I think in a down Big Ten, if Ohio State has enough decent performances at home and steals a couple on the road against teams they should beat, that's 12 wins. Um, mm-hmm. Minnesota's a really interesting case because Minnesota came out of the gate really hot. They were the sexy pick. They were ranked like 11th or 12th or something really high. And no one's been talking about them. 
Uh, Jordan mm-hmm. Murphy has 16 consecutive double-doubles. He is an absolute beast. His name should be in player of the year conversation, obviously alongside Trey Young, who's unbelievable. But Minnesota is still really good. They still bring back a ton of talent. Um, I think, if anything, for Richard Pitino's team flying under the radar is actually really beneficial. Um, I think they will make the tournament. I think they'll end up being the fourth best team in the Big Ten. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, with, with both, of, both of their schedules, um, I, I see Ohio State and Minnesota both as NCAA tournament teams. Yeah, I agree. I, I think, um, again, the question is, you know, how do you take care of those beatable uh, teams at home? Uh, one thing I did want to add, uh, as far as Ohio State, I think the, the big difference this year has been Keita bates Diop. He's been really, really good for the Buckeyes, and I, I think he was really the missing piece last year. Um, I, I mean, he's been playing red hot, uh, shooting well from outside, efficient, hidden from the free throw stripe, and he's taken a big share of the offense, and I, I think he's been the difference. And, um, you know, Ohio State, I, I agree. I think they're a team that's really slipped under the radar at this point. You know, you mentioned they really haven't lost. They have no bad losses to date. Um, um, yeah. They have – they have two road wins. Um, they beat Michigan at home, which is a likely NCAA team. Uh, they don't really have any huge wins, but I mean, for a team hoping to make the tournament, um, it's setting up nicely. I mean, they get Michigan state at home this weekend. So obviously they have a shot to add a marquee win, but I, I think this is a team that they're getting a little disrespected. Um, and I, I think they're a team that, that certainly is in that conversation for being the third best in the big 10. Um, the one thing I will I will point out though, as far as Ohio State, and I'm not, uh, I don't want to be down on them. I don't want to, you know, say jinx them or anything. Um, but this is still a very thin team, and I think that that's something that's going to be important with this contested Big Ten schedule, with um, uh, you know, still a couple of months of Big Ten play. I think you know how your team sort of uh, lives through that um, is crucial uh to your your season performance and i think that is one thing to watch ohio state really needs their big guys to stay healthy to contribute so far so good um let's certainly hope that uh everyone stays healthy going forward um and then uh so we we've saved the the best for last year um it's tier number one which i think is very very close i think very very interesting and i think we could have one of the most exciting Big Ten title races uh, in a long time here uh, this year, and that's Michigan State and Purdue. Both teams currently in the top five on Ken Palm. Uh, Michigan State moved up to number one tonight after their destruction of Maryland's Purdue sitting at four. Uh, both teams 3-0 and in conference play. Spartans 15-1 and overall. They're only lost to Duke. Purdue 14 and two overall. They lost twice in the Bahamas uh, in their non-conference tournament. Um, let, let's just jump right into this. Um, right now, do you have any? Do you lean either way with these two teams? I mean, on paper, they look pretty close. Um, what, what are your thoughts as far as these two go? So, and it pains me, but I think Michigan State is one of the best two or three teams in the country. I think Purdue is really good. But, I mean, Michigan State, just, just the depth alone, um, they have five guys right now averaging in double figures. Um, I mean, it just looks like anyone that they throw out on the court and they can go, you know, 10 or 11 deep, it just feels like is a stud. 
Um, I feel like a guy like Xavier Tillman would be starting at Nebraska or Illinois or Rutgers or something, and he barely gets mm-hmm. off the bench for Michigan State. Um, I just love the way they play. They have such unbelievable depth in the front court. Um, but I think the key's in the backcourt. I think the key is going to come down to Winston and Langford because we know what Nick Ward can do when he actually gets minutes. He's averaging, I'm looking at this right now, 15.4 points in 18.5 minutes which means his per 40 number has got to be something utterly ridiculous. I can only imagine (laughs) if he was able to stay out of foul trouble. But it's going to be Winston and and Langford. Um, Those are the two guys. They make a ton of shots. They don't really make mistakes. Um, And a lot of the really good teams in the country are guard-oriented. So I think if they can continue to make shots and and play really well for for Michigan State, um, you know, I I don't see that team losing – the Big Ten title. Um, with that said, I do want to give Purdue their due, no pun intended. Um, I mean, their first seven guys are, are so good. Isaac Haas has had an unbelievable year. Vince Edwards is awesome. Um, one of the best defenders in the Big Ten with Dakota Mathias. And then you have guys like P.J. Thompson and, and Matt Harms, who's been an awesome backup to Haas. When, they, when the two of them are out on the court together, I, I don't even think you can take a shot within the paint because you're just not going to get it off. Um, they're they're awesome. They are they are really really good. It's amazing to think Thomas that Purdue actually got better losing Caleb Swanigan. That they become a more well-rounded team. Uh, what do you mm-hmm. think about these two teams? Yeah, I mean, I I I think you said it well. These are both ex excellent teams. I mean, I could see both of these teams making the Final Four. And I actually tweeted this out earlier this week, and I really believe it. Um, I think the Big Ten is going to do uh, what the SEC did in football this year, and that's have a, a down year for the league. You know, 75 80% of the league really isn't that good, but they have two super teams that are so good um, that they are sort of going to raise the entire conference up uh, at the end of the year. You know, obviously we have a long time to go before that, so I'm probably jumping the gun a little bit. But I think these are both Final Four quality teams. Um, I know, again, somebody's going to come out of nowhere. It happens every year. But uh, Purdue, just so experienced, so even across the board. The defense is so solid. And really, you know, the emergence of Carson Edwards has been really big uh, for the Boilermakers. And then, I mean, Michigan State, you know, watching them tonight uh, play against the Terps, the thing that's just so impressive about them is – it's really not any specific area. Um, I know they're fantastic around the rim on defense and, and, you know, things of that nature. But the thing that's just so good about them is they win those one-on-one matchups. And what I mean by that is, you know, nobody on Maryland could guard bridges at all, uh, which opens him up to drive the hoop, opens him up to get on the outside. And because everyone on that team can pass, uh, you know, he can feed it to somebody else. They get a great look. Um, it, it's just, there's so many pieces there. And, and when they play these uh, opponents, you know, Michigan state has just three or four one-on-one matchups where the Spartans destroy the other opponent. Um, and frankly, I think Purdue is the only team in the league that has the pieces to at least contend with that. Um, and that's not, me saying I think Michigan State's going to go undefeated in Big Ten play or something. But just from a schematic sense, I mean, they have the size inside to bang with the Spartans. Um, 
Miles Bridges, uh, he, he's certainly a guy who I don't know if Purdue has a guy who can guard him. Uh, you would assume they're going to put Edwards on him. Uh, you know, we'll see <laughs> when that, when that game happens. Um, and I think Purdue has a pesky enough backcourt to cause some, some real problems for the Spartans back there. So I, I could see this game going either way. Uh, they only play once this year. It's in East Lansing. So advantage MSU. Um, right now, I, I think you have to lean MSU, but I, I'm, I'm telling you, I think this one's going to go down to the end. I think it's going to be very competitive. Um, any, uh, any final thoughts here on these two? Uh, no, I, I think you're right. I think the winner of the Big Ten this year will probably be 16-2 and two or 17-1. and one. I think the league is that down and these two teams are that good. Yeah, yeah. And I, I would not be shocked at all uh, if they rematch in the Big Ten tournament um, or maybe the NCAA tournament as well. I mean, that wouldn't really surprise me that much either. Um, but, yeah, so – uh, before we go, um, let's take a quick look ahead uh, at what's to come. It's a, a full weekend for the league. Um, we get uh, a few of the weaker games uh, to start off Big Ten play, but we do have some some really intriguing matchups as well. Um, let's start with uh, Friday's games, Wisconsin at Rutgers, Northwestern at Penn State. Um, those should be in, uh, relatively sleepers. That Northwestern at Penn State game should be interesting. Um, but Sunday, I, I'd say, is probably the, the most interesting. Michigan State at, at OSU, Iowa at Maryland, um, and then to backtrack Saturday, Illinois at Michigan, Nebraska at Purdue, Indiana at Minnesota. Um, any thoughts on the weekend here before we uh, let you go? Um, the one team that I did want to talk about that somehow we skipped over was Michigan. Okay. Um, I think I, I think it's really interesting with Michigan because, um, it, you know, if you watch the game on Tuesday against Iowa, and hopefully we'll see more of this on Saturday, um, the depth was really what jumped out to me. Um, something that we had didn't see at all last year with Michigan's team, where the bench really was a, a major weakness point. Um, a bench guy like Xavier Simpson and Isaiah Livers, um, you know, were awesome against Iowa. A guy like John Teske's been great all year. Um, and Jordan Poole, who I know you were really high on to start the year, um, is really turning it on. Um, I, I wrote an article today about Michigan and Jordan Poole's per 40 minutes points. I think it's like 25.2 or 25.4, which is crazy. Um, I'm, I'm curious to know whether you think that this bench depth is something that can be sustained throughout the season, or is it just a one or two game blip and is Michigan not going to be able to have that during the rest of the Big Ten play? Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think, you know, we talked a little bit about sort of the second tier of the Big Ten, or at least how we view that, which is Michigan, Minnesota, and Ohio State. Um, I, I Right now, I, I think Ohio State is the best of that group, but I think Michigan has the most upside of all three by a good distance, and it's for the reason uh, of what you just said, the, the bench. And specifically, to me, Poole and Teske are for real. I think they're nice bench contributors. I think they're going to be pretty consistent in their roles. You know, Poole's a shooter, so he's going to have hot nights. He's going to have cold nights. But I think those two are going to be pretty consistent in what they do best. But the big question is, what is Livers going to do? Because 
he he had some rough points. He had some better points. You know, against Iowa, he looked really, really good. He looked like a starter, quality player. Um, we'll see if that continues. I think Michigan's best lineup is with Livers out there or uh, mainly Duncan Robinson on the bench. I, I think really that's where Michigan is best. We'll see if they can do it or at least – Maybe bring him down. Um, he's played 66% of Michigan's minutes to date this season. Um, but, I mean, look at Michigan had a nice, solid win against Iowa. He only played 13 minutes. And not trying to take shots at Duncan Robinson. He's a, a solid player. Um, but he's a really, really good bench player, and he's an okay starter. So I, I think and he's an Michigan... awful defender. I'll t- I'll take yeah. a shot at Duncan Robinson. I think he's a horrific <laughs> on ball defender. And 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 it's interesting you say that because um, you know when you start with Robinson and Wagner, you have two really horrid defensive players both starting in the front court. And moving Livers will at least it, it, you'll have a Teske Robinson grouping and a Livers Wagner grouping. And I think. You know, I think the the bench defensive group will get worse, but I think the starting offensive group will definitely get better just by bringing Livers in there to alleviate some of the pressure on Wagner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree, and I, I really think uh, Livers is the most important player, I feel like, for Michigan going forward, which sounds weird, um, but that that's, that's what I think because I, I think they have to find a way to get Duncan Robinson somewhere around 10 to 15 minutes or so, or definitely less than 20. Um, Cause I, I think when you see him play those big minute totals, it, it really hurts Michigan defensively. Um, and I, I think the thing is, is, you know, when you're a bench guy, uh, you know, the other teams are going to obviously scout, but I, I think it's hard to scout the bench or at least translate that to your players that well, especially in a big 10 slate where, we're going to get a ton of teams that are going to play two games in three days. Um, we're seeing it tonight. Uh, we're going to see it this weekend. So I, I think yeah, in a season like this, that will be even more useful. But, but yeah, I, I think Michigan's a team that has a much higher ceiling than they're at right now. And I, I think you see them starting to take shape. They have a, a, a really big slate coming up next week. They're going to play Purdue at home on Tuesday and then Michigan state on the road. Um, on Saturday. And then I guess it's actually next the week after, but um, they get, well, I'll just go through their next four games. They play Illinois on Saturday, Purdue on Tuesday, Michigan state on the next Saturday. So the 13th and then Maryland at home on the 15th. Uh, If they can find a way to go at least two and two in those games or somehow three and one, I think they're in very, very good shape. Um, But we'll see. It's going to be a very big stretch uh, for the Wolverines, but um, but yeah, with that, Josh, uh, any final thoughts here on the Big Ten on college basketball before we let you go? Yeah, um, you mentioned the weekend schedule. Um, the Sunday game that I think hopefully should be awesome will be Ohio, uh, Michigan State at Ohio State. Um, mm-hmm. I'm looking at their schedule. I see at Ohio State. Um, I see home against Purdue. And then I'm at Minnesota really at the three games where I could see Michigan State really struggling. If they're able to get through this Ohio State game pretty comfortably, um, I, I think we'll, we could seriously start talking about 18-0. and 0. Um, I know it's crazy, like you said, but um, if, if Michigan State really is the class of the Big Ten, then they'll, then, they'll, then they'll take care of Ohio State this weekend. Um, but I'm excited. A lot of great 
college basketball, a lot of snow on the ground and, and a lot of reason to stay inside and, and watch the hoops. <laughs> Definitely. I agree. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to that game on Sunday, but Josh, thanks for joining us. Yeah, Thomas. Thank you. Um, so yeah, that was Josh Stern. He writes for our, uh, our site, does a lot of Michigan stuff. Um, check him out on Twitter, check him out on our site. Uh, a lot of great stuff going up right now, but with that, I'm going to call it a night. I'm Thomas Bendit. You can follow me on Twitter at T Bendit. Um, and we will uh, see you next time. Thanks guys.